All right, I'm recording now. I'm in the car again, if that matters. Let me just do sort of a newsletter kind of thing. The workflow here is I have a list of podcast episodes and YouTube videos that I watched recently. This is pretty much a content diet review. I, I guess like nonfiction content is a way to put it. Um, I'm not going to put movies and books and things like that, like any fiction here. Maybe I should. I guess I did do that episode before this just about Black Mirror. So maybe that is a good way to do it. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. I can always overthink this, picking the right formats. I think the main thing is to try some different formats, see which ones I can kind of do sustainably. The one I recorded immediately before this, just this morning, was Black Mirror Creativity Lessons. Now, let's see if I can get through five podcast episodes, five minutes each. I've started the timer. This first one is from Not Investment Advice. Their guest was George Mack. So this is actually from today. And I'm still actually listening to it, but I thought I could just record an episode on it right now. It's with George Max. He writes a great weekly thread on Twitter about different topics, I guess like subtopics from this episode. One of them is just the value of the midwit meme. They talk about how there could be a daily stoic sort of newsletter or, or account that would just be the daily midwit. Uh, the midwit meme also, you might see it as the bell curve meme or something like that, but it's where it's a bell curve. On the left, you have the simpleton who has come to some conclusion, and on the right, you have the Jedi who has come to the same conclusion. Then in the middle, this is where most people end up. These are the overthinkers, the people who are overcomplicating some topic. Uh, some examples that immediately come to mind, one of them is take notes in the notes app that's shared by both the simpleton and then also the jedi i've also seen just a notepad as well just write notes in a notebook and then in the middle are all of the people who have various note-taking apps various systems to connect different things it is a bit of a jab at i guess the phrase would be the build a second brain folks though i do love their work i think they are creating like a ton of value with the second brain concept somewhere embedded in this is that idea of Oh, I forget what the phrase is, but you have to go through the midwit part of things to get to the Jedi version of the same conclusion, of the simpleton's conclusion. But you can kind of get far along if you never enter that midwit area. They give the example of you want to have a better body, lose weight, more muscle. It's calories in, calories out. It's kind of as simple as that. Eat enough protein, but in the middle you have all the different sorts of configurations of diets. I'm the embodiment of the midwit trying every single fad diet without getting results. There's a good discussion here about the midwit memes, uh, and George Mack has a good thread uh, showing different examples of it. Then another topic that they talk about is just enjoying writing, uh, where George Mack talks about why he wanted to double down on writing. He took a break from Twitter and then decided that he would refocus on writing consistently, uh, specifically, I think, on Twitter and probably in, the, in his newsletter. It was just this realization that he enjoys writing and understanding the long-term value of writing regularly. Uh, a lot of things come downstream from writing regularly. The example he gives is that he found himself writing notes, just notes to himself, while he was at, out at a nightclub. I felt this too. And this is something that happens too when you do, when you are in that midwit part of note-taking that you build this system and it's actually kind of fun to use and you, you want to just keep adding these notes to it but then sometimes it ends up being that you don't quite have the output from that you need he talks about oh yeah he just 
does enjoy writing and that he wanted to focus that writing on a specific output and that is where the threads come in. I'll move on to the next podcast. So this actually connects to a different podcast that I listened to also this morning with Kevin Kelly on the How I Write podcast. So this is a fairly new podcast by David Perel. He's had previous iterations of his own podcast, like the North Star podcast. I'm guessing it's on a different feed, but David Perel runs the Rite of Passage course. It's something I've taken, signed up for. I have a pretty good memory. It was kind of the first cohort-based course that I signed up for and also learned that I might not be able to finish these courses. But it was cool to meet people online who had similar interests. I'm not one of the like success stories from any of these courses, but I've seen some huge success stories where there are people that I've still followed now who I saw in different cohorts of David Perel's course. Anyway, he has Kevin Kelly on. If you've heard of 1,000 True Fans, that's his idea, or at least his phrasing of it. That's where if you can find 1,000 people to pay you $100 a year, then you can make a career out of whatever it is that you love doing. If you've heard of Wired Magazine, he's also the co-founder of that. And then I think also like the Whole Earth Catalog, so which is where the phrase stay hungry, stay foolish comes from it. I, I might be getting that wrong. He also happens to live nearby. I think I saw him once when I was on a hike, but I'm not actually sure it was him. It was the reverse of it that I'm, at the moment I was like, oh, that kind of looks like him. Then I learned later on that it's, oh yeah, he lives really close to where I was hiking. So I'll put it at a 20% chance it was him. I don't know. But yeah, they just are discussing the writing process, that sort of thing. They do talk about loving writing. So that kind of connects to the George Mack episode topic of him realizing that he loves writing. And Kevin Kelly says he doesn't actually love writing, especially the first drafts of things, but he loves editing. He's more of an editor. So once that first draft is done, then he does find it easier to start revising. I find that I'm pretty much the reverse of that. I love the beginning part of writing, generating different ideas, doing outlines, but I really don't like revising. This is why I need to find formats for things that can be published, like just shorter versions of the things. Anytime I've tried to write something very long, it just makes me very irritable. I just often don't finish a bunch of stuff if I'm trying to make something long form. Even right now, I have a bunch of different recordings that I made in New York. I guess I was trying to record every day. I should have aimed to publish every day. Because now I have probably five to ten separate audio recordings that I don't feel like going through. Just going through and then revising it. It's something I should get better at. Let me move to the next topic, actually. So the next podcast, so this would be episode number three. Ryan Rosillo has a podcast, usually about sports. He has a popular segment on it called Life Advice that's been getting longer and longer. So people just like to hear his perspective. <laughs> Mostly it's like guys writing in with questions about how to be a 20-something person. And he gives his perspective on it and shares stories about the mistakes he made when he was in the same position or how he succeeded in avoiding getting in bad situations. In any case, this special episode he did was he calls it the Spain Travel Log. And he just talks about his trip to Spain. And it's something like, I think, two, a two-plus-hour episode. He's not pulling life lessons or anything like that. It's simply the facts. He just recorded every day and talked about what he did. Gives some tips for anyone that's trying to... It's pretty specific, but, you know, just see if there's some interesting things in 
the specificity of it where he talks about like where you should go if you want to do the same tour he did and how he had some difficulty finding the place to buy tickets. I just found it interesting. And yeah, it does remind me of what I did wrong with recording these New York podcast episodes. I could have just probably talked about what I did each day and then built it off of that. Instead, I was trying to get a little too clever. Sometimes I would mention what I did that day. Then I was trying to connect it to some kind of other source and then pull creativity lessons from that. So that's me being a midwit, just overcomplicating things. As an example, one of the days I watched part of Oppenheimer in IMAX because I wanted to see it in IMAX. It was my second time watching it. Everyone's saying, well, you got to watch it on an IMAX screen, 70 millimeter. And I believe them. And actually, I think it's true. It was really worth it to watch it on that enormous screen. But I skipped the last hour. You may have heard reviews about the movie. It is very long. And also the explosion is the best part of it. The third hour is great, too. But I was happy to leave it on my viewing to spend time in New York. I made an episode about that. And then about, oh, yeah, I watched this. Then I was thinking, okay, so that's what I did that day. I also had the source of Oppenheimer the movie. I wanted to pull creativity lessons from that. So it was just too complicated. And that kind of worked, but then I didn't record it. I had a pretty good outline, I think, but it was just like too much to finish. Then we went to the US Open. Then I wanted to talk about, connect that to a source or something, connect it to New York in some way, and then pull creativity lessons from that. An example was like, oh, we watched this Alcaraz match. He destroyed the other guy, straight sets. Most of the sets not even close. But he was still entertaining because there's a lot of moments where it's him doing uh, a drop shot and then lob after, right? That's one of the most entertaining things to watch because the opponent has to sprint to it. So there's curiosity. Is he going to make it to it? And then is Alcaraz going to be able to lob it? And then you have the opponent sprinting again. So there's that. And then just parts where he kind of overpowers the person. So that was an example. Then I was trying to relate it back to New York and creativity in some way of, oh, how does New York provide entertainment in normal days or something like that? Anyway, it was too much. So I was, I was definitely overcomplicating it. So yeah, this Ryan Russillo travelogue episode just sticks to the facts. He just has a little audio separator for each day. What I mean by that is there's the sound of birds, which I think is just added in during editing. It's not that he's recording birds, you know, chirping in the morning. Every time that he's recording, it was just a, a short audio. Are they called like audio tags? Anyway, just to indicate that it's the next day. I'll try to do that with the New York episode instead of trying to make them each different episodes. But let me move on to the next episode that I want to talk about. This is from the podcast, Deep Questions with Cal Newport. It's episode 263, Overhaul Your Life. This one was from a few weeks back. But I wanted to include it here because I've been re-listening to it. At least, I think it's like once a week that I've been listening to it since I first listened to it. And it's just a good time right now to just say it's a, not, I don't know, like convenient is the right word, but it's just a nice framing that there's four months left. So you have something like 16 weeks left. And the idea is that if you want to overhaul your life and head into the new year in a great state, then you could start right now. In a way, you could start any time in the year, right? Maybe a better way would be the last three months so that it's one quarter to do this. But the point is, four months is a good amount of time to make good changes in your life. Overhaul actually seems like the right word for it. Not, it's not saying, oh, transform yourself into a brand new person or anything like that. It's not 
abs in 12 weeks. What changes can you actually make uh, that will set you up nicely leading into the new year? And he has a nice, uh, it was a four-step framework for the things that you could change. I should have written it down. Uh, this goes to show maybe I don't learn anything by listening. But it's going through like some of his fundamentals. Multi-level planning, life planning, pretty much being able to look at the end result that you have in mind and then look at what's in front of you today, what's in front of you this week, what's in front of you for the next year. Just being able to change timescales for how you look at your life and what you want it to look like. Another part is just overall values to revisit that. Does your calendar today reflect your values, what you want to express as your values? And if not, what changes can you make in the next four months to set yourself up for New Year? And then there's just foundational discipline in all of this. He talks about the, the importance of discipline. Discipline can be applied in all sorts of ways. So this isn't from this episode, but uh, I think he had a reader question about focus and different ways to focus. And one thing he recommends, and he admits that he's biased because he is a bit of a film nerd, but he does recommend going to the theater regularly just to practice being away from your phone it's one of the rare environments that we have these days where you'll avoid your phone unless you're a monster who uses your phone during a movie at a theater actually my oppenheimer experience now that i'm thinking about it was the opposite of this because the new york trip is great because in large part because i was able to see a lot of friends in new york some of it was like sacrificing, oh, exploring the city. But I think the time is better spent if I'm able to see some friends that live there that I'm not able to see. But part of that could have been planned before I was in New York. Instead, I procrastinated and then was doing a lot of texting while in New York trying to plan things. And because it's the planning starts to become urgent because now I need to coordinate the next few hours like that morning or like the evening before trying to fit something in with a friend the next day. There was some unneeded urgency. If I had just planned this, I wouldn't have had to dedicate any any energy to like thinking through these plans. So wh why I mentioned that, during Oppenheimer, I was monitoring my phone through my Apple Watch because I was waiting for responses from a few people about, oh, are we going to confirm plans for the afternoon? Or maybe we were going to meet up that night, but it was still kind of up in the air. But because it was the same day, I knew it would be nice to respond, you know, promptly in case they had to change their plans. And yeah, this was during Oppenheimer. So I'm glad that it wasn't my first time watching it. It was my second time. So, you know, I, I was checking a watch, then walking to the concessions place to probably two or three times during the movie. And I just wasn't present. So I definitely was completely unfocused while watching things. Though I put it away once it starts to lead up to the explosion. And again, it was awesome. So yeah, definitely check out this Cal Newport episode if you want to start planning the rest of the year. And there's a lot of good ideas there about how you can do that and start working with his system. I also started using his time box, time block planner. It's good. Check it out. Yes, of course, you can use a Moleskine or whatever notebook you want to use to do it. But it, it's nice to have the structure there. Then the last episode here, there's this Alex Hormozy podcast. He is the author of $100 Million Leads. This is his most recent book. He also has $100 Million Offers. So he is, an, I think the online marketing world is the way to put it. He also wrote a book called Chim Launch Secrets. I mean, more recently, he's come into popularity because he's been just crushing it with online content. I heard Russell Brunson describe him as basically like the top of the game of online marketing content creators that he's just very good at 
taking an idea and then riffing on it. This episode is a good example of it. Let me look up the episode title. It is Hormozy Life Hacks You Need to Hear, episode 605. Some of these seem mundane, and that's kind of what's entertaining about it. Some of them are, are bigger, but a lot of the advice is very small, practical stuff that you could do now, right, right this moment or today or tomorrow or this week. One of them is just keeping chapstick everywhere. Uh, he points out that no matter how big your house is, you usually end up in just a handful of places that you're spending most of your time there, like wherever your desk is, wherever your couch is, then the dinner table. So he identified those places and then put chapstick in each of those places, just having multiple chapsticks. I heard, oh, I forget who this was. It was David Chang. I think David Chang has a Sonicare toothbrush or an electric toothbrush. I can't verify that it was Sonicare. So he has the Sonicare brush with him. So he has two in the bathroom, one's in the shower, one's on the sink. It's a small optimization that he makes, a small life hack, is have multiples of things that you use frequently. We have a bunch of kitchen shears, so that's been a joy. We're never running out of scissors. That said, we could use another kitchen knife. We often... We have one kitchen knife, but sometimes Amy and I both need to use it and we just don't have it available. Another hack that he has, life hack, is wear a hat and a beard. This is also skin protection that it means the sun will not get in your face as much. I can't grow a beard. I do wear a hat more frequently now. Another one that resonated is drink less water. I'm trying to figure this out because I, I just recently decided to drink more water, more plain water. I drink too much stuff that comes in cans. I'm not drinking regular Coke. I guess Coke Zero is controversial now. I, I have been drinking that and then just a ton of sparkling water. Just completely addicted to sparkling water. It's not great. He just talks about how he tries to drink less water. You can get a lot of water from food. Maybe you don't actually need to drink a gallon. He just finds it very disruptive to his workday. More importantly, and this is where it affects me a lot, is sleep. Having to wake up multiple times at night to use a bathroom, not great. I'm okay with doing it during the day while working, but... Yeah, ruining sleep for it is is sort of silly. The last one, this is one of the bigger ones, so this is not necessarily the, you know, get an extra toothbrush kind of one. It's find the right environment. And this can be scaled up and down. He talks about how important it can be to travel or live in a different place if you need to, depending on what industry you're in. That, yes, you can do a lot of things online, but people have benefited heavily even recently if you're in tech move to silicon valley if you're like or in particular like for startups especially if you want to be a part of the community and meet people meeting in person is a different level compared to building a relationship on the internet i forget who it was where someone was just talking about oh yeah you have these online relationships but kind of the pinnacle of online relationships is often that picture where they finally they meet in person and they of course post that and say oh it was awesome to meet in person so, of course, it would be better to meet in person all the time. That said, that frequency is not always realistic, so it becomes a balance of if you can meet online every week versus if you can meet in person once a month, which one builds a better relationship? I don't know. There's probably some threshold depending on what kind of relationship you're looking for. And then, yeah, so that's... He also just talks about if you move to just take time, spend time at the other side of town, that can also help with more creative thinking or just to relax better. This is why staycations can be effective. And then scaling it down, again, just this is kind of related to the chapstick thing. How can you modify your environment, the environment that you're in day to day in small ways? Put chapstick everywhere. He talks about what he does to focus. Something that he does is uh, he works in like this small office nook, I think, no windows, and all he can see is his monitor. 
Uh, it's a pretty narrow space from what I remember seeing. So he, he can only see his monitor, that's it. He focuses on work, doesn't drink water so he doesn't have to use the bathroom, and then he can just focus on his work. And he gives the example of uh, a friend that lived in, I think it was like, where did people go? Was it Puerto Rico for taxes? And they would fly every week from Puerto Rico to Florida. Or is it Cuba? I think it's Puerto Rico. And he would just do that every single week. And then Alex asked him, like, hey, do you think you would get more done if all this time you spent traveling instead was put to work? And then, you know, maybe you could make up for the loss in taxes. And that's a bigger example, like moving to a different country for something. He does talk about, like, other small things, such as he... Loves being in walking distance to a gym that he finds inspiring. I do miss New York gyms. I used to go to Chelsea Piers and then Equinox. It, it is something I miss being able to... I mean, I miss being able to walk to a coffee shop too, but having a night, a very comfortable gym with a nice co-working space, it's great. Equinox was like less than a 10-minute walk. I never lived that close to Chelsea Piers. It was probably a 20-minute walk, but always enjoyed it. And that's just another example of how you can change your environment, pick your environment. So proximity to it. And then also just like the gym environment itself, what kind of gym you work out in. I guess that is something that I've done is I have the home gym and I see how that environment change has been positive. It just makes it easy to stay consistent. I know there's kind of no excuses for skipping a workout. And the bigger part that I learned was more recently or that I learned more recently is being able to split workouts up. Right now, I'm trying to do just like a five by five program. So it's squat, overhead press, and then deadlift. That's like workout A. Workout B is also squats and then bench and rows. So it's kind of like legs, push, pull. So you just alternate those workouts. And then in a pinch, I realized I can do legs in the morning and then the push pull at night. I don't need to do that often. Usually I can find an hour to do it all together. But when I forget, when something happens, I, I know I can still do half of the workout at different points in the day. And it's super easy to do because it's right through the kitchen door to get to the garage. Anyway, th those are five episodes from different podcasts that you should check out. And maybe I'll write a newsletter about this and post the audio. Thanks for listening.